Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Lila Nishmas, Rosenbas, Hanan Ezra, and Shimon Ben Yitzchak, Masha Bas Yitzchak. Ibadl Chaim Tev, Meruchim Shalom, before Shlema for Yisrach Yisrach. He needs Rachmim Rabbim. He needs all our prayers plus. And he's needed very vitally here in this world. And it's way, way, way too early to get him anywhere near the world to come. So we all need to reach out our prayers deep down for the foolish name of him. This week is Pasha's Bay, and the Shabbos before Yud Shvat. On the Shabbos before Yud Shvat, for all men, Chsidim, Mekushorim, ones that are attached and connected to the Rebbe, should see to get an Aliyah, just like anyone that gets an Aliyah before the Yardzeit of their parent. She get Naliyah this Shabbos as well. We spoke about 30 days before the Chag, and therefore the preparations each time, each 10 days. <coughs> to take on a subject matter to be tested on. Hashem. How special and blessed are those that heard that and said, okay, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to jump, I'm ready to run, I'm ready to undertake. Tell me what I should do. But please help me so that I'm ready for a test. Yudshvat, I guess we can talk about next week because Yudshvat is on Wednesday. Today is Ayyem Tulus Masecha. As far as Chassidim are concerned, this is the day that we start. The sun set and the sun rose. We didn't lose one Rebbe and gain a new one. As we spoke to Rebbeim, all that made him were one Shama Kholi from the Alter Rebbe or from the Vashema Kaddish. And therefore, each Rebbe carried not just the mantle, not just the name, not just the Chsidim. But each one had that special neshama with which to lead the generation. The Rebbe 
always made reference to his father-in-law, the Friedrich Rebbe, calling him the Rebbe, the Rebbe the Schwer. When a person came with a beseechment, with a prayer, with a request to the Rebbe, the Rebbe said, I will present it to my father-in-law. There were numerous times that I was seen going to the Rafiki Rebbe's cheder, uh, to his apartment, to his room where he saw people in private audiences. And the Rebbe presented by the Rebbe's desk. I never heard, doesn't mean that I'm that well versed, of conversation ongoing by the Rebbe's state by the Rebbe's desk, I did hear, and I've mentioned many times the chassid that was told when the chassid asked him, had a problem had an issue, and the Rebbe told him I'll mention by my father-in-law. He said I'm not you're not going to the ale till the Rebbe said by his desk I can also mention. And therefore the Rebbe would, would definitely go to the desk and mention and bring beseechments and bring, ask for brachas. And of course we all know one of the most severe, strongest brachas was for Arichas Yomim, for Briyas Nechayna, for good health, for long life, for longevity. And just ask Rebbe, please, Knock every door and every window. For Fush Lema for Baruch Yishai Zusha Berchan Rivka. Pasha's boy. Boy El Paroi, come to Paroi. We've heard Hakadosh Baruch Hu use this expression before. And that was with Nayach. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "Boy El Hateva." Baruch doesn't say leich el ha-teva, boy el ha-teva. It doesn't say go to the teva, it says come to the teva, come to the ark. Similarly, HaKadosh Baruch tells Moshe, boy el parai, come to parai. Immediate explanation that comes to mind the similarity of both is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is both by the Teva and by Parai. And therefore HaKadosh Baruch is using this expression, come here to me, I'm here, come let's talk, let's do what we have to. It's obvious that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with Leach and the Teva, <coughs> otherwise the Teva would never have been able to float with the amount of weight that it was holding and all the other I mean, what could Neach possibly have conjured up in architectural uh, expertise in that year? 
Here too. HaKadosh Baruch Hu went to Pari. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Pari a lesson that he's not going to forget too soon. He's still thinking about it, thousands of years later. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, therefore, I'm here now, by Pari, Bail Pari, because Moshe was scared to go again. Because Pari already screamed at him once, told him, don't come back here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him, Bail Pari, come. I'm here, but not just I'm here. I hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. Servants? Who cares? The heart of Pari we were concerned with. The servant's heart? What, what is, what's our concern? Simply speaking, in case Pari started getting soft, Case Pari started getting emotional, inv- emotionally involved here and feeling bad for the Jews or for himself because of all the beatings that he was taking. Akash Baruch Hu says, "Don't worry about it. There's no advisors or anybody else that are going to stand there and tell him. No, no, no. We got to deal with this. We got to take care of it. We got to go. We can't let the Jews leave because they leave here and we're going to be in trouble. It's going to ruin us financially. It's going to ruin us. This. It's going to ruin us that." No, no can do. So in case the advisors would in any which way, form or fashion try to intervene to convince Pare not to let the Jews go, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw to it that the hearts of the servants also were hardened and saying, no, no, no. We're not letting anybody go. What for? Why did Hashem do this? The Pasik says, Kajbarakh tells Mesha Lamashisya So I could place these signs of mine in his midst. I've got a lesson to teach him. I want him to learn this lesson well. I want him to learn this lesson the way it needs to be taught. So Kajbarakh tells Mesha, I'm here with Parai giving him a very hard time and a very hard heart. Come join me here. In essence, think of the plagues that were inflicted on Pare and his nation. How did he succumb to saying... I'm not allowing the Jews to go. I'm, I'm backing out of my word. They were frightening. Up to this point, there was seven makas. And we told you, Va'eda is Vav Aleph, and Boy is Bez Aleph. Bez Aleph is three. And therefore, this parasha has three of the last, three, the last ten makas. Until this point, there were seven plagues that were inflicted on the Egyptians. Pretty bad ones. Dam, Tzvadeya. The Tzvadeya were everywhere, these frogs, and they made noise, and they screamed, and they yelled, and... I mean, come on. Logically speaking, how did this guy back down again and again and again? (coughs) 
this itself, the hardening of his heart, that too was a punishment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu inflicts upon him. And the Ramam explains, it is possible for a person to commit a sin so horrible, or to commit so many sins, that the judgment that's rendered before the true judge, before Melech Malchem Lachem, is that this person's retribution for his sins, which he committed freely of his own accord, is that Rahman is prevented from repenting. And he can't abandon his evil ways. He can't leave it back, leave it, let it go. And ultimately he dies and perishes on account of those sins that he committed. Now we understand why God did not give Pare a chance to repent and to avoid punishment for all his previous wrongdoings. But we do find that even after hardening Pare's heart, God God warns him, if if you're going to refuse still to let my nation go, there's going to be the locust, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. But if God took away his freedom of choice and hardened his heart over and over again, how can he be culpable for this? How could be accountable for the decisions not letting the Jews go? The truth is though, even after HaKadosh Baruch Hu hardening his heart, he still had that ability to change. And therefore was punished when he didn't. And we find this, the Altarebik says this in Tanya. where it talks about in the Gemara certain sinners that are not granted a chance to do tshuva. It means only he, the sinner itself, is not granted the opportunity. But if he presses forcefully, overpowers his evil impulse, and does tshuva, then his tshuva is accepted. So similarly, even after God manipulated Pari's feelings towards Bnei Yisrael, the decision was his. The decision was his to let them go or not let them go. And therefore he's held liable for refusing. This teaches us that hope for a person to repent and change his ways is never lost. <coughs> Many of us, unfortunately, feel that we've overstepped our light, our, our boundary, and we've done sins that that cannot possibly be forgiven the opposite the obstacle that a Jew encounters in his path to tshuva and then there are those that arouse the person to do tshuva this is a greater determination to force his return to God. And therefore the person 
has that potential, that capacity, that capability to overcome the severest, the hardest, the deepest, and the worst, and the darkest. By firstly abandoning the ways of the past and forging ahead in the future and asking forgiveness for all that he had done or she had done. Asking means asking. Sometimes it needs to be a face-to-face and sometimes it can be a general public. But the person that was sinned against should want HaKadosh Baruch Hu's compassion for everything they do and therefore be compassionate towards the person that sinned against them and accept full-heartedly their apology. We cry for different things. We cry for different times. We're taught we need to serve God with joy. What are you crying? Is there really any kind of ta'elas in crying? Is there any kind of accomplishment by sitting and crying? Do tears actually wash away? told the story before the Balshama Kaddish who came into the forest to the Talmidim and he came to a home, a little hut and he told the Talmidim go tell the rabbits and the lady of the house the lady of the hut I'm hungry excuse me I want to eat give me some food please And the Talmidim went and she said, I have a stale piece of bread and some cheese, but I need to hold this for my husband because he's coming home from work soon. He works very hard as a wood chopper and, and this is all we have. And they told that to Balshanta. Balshanta says, But tell her, I'm hungry now, I need to eat, I'm starving. She said, Listen, the Rebbe asks, I have no choice, and she gave him the food. After eating and benching, the Bashemta says, I'm tired. I need to lie down for a few hours. And so the Tamidim again went to their hostess, and the hostess again repeated, I have a little bit of straw that's reserved for my husband to sleep on. Please, don't take that away from him. His bones are broken. He's so tired after his day's work. Please. And they came and told that to the Bashantav. The Bashantav again says, I'm very tired, I need to sleep now. So she had no choice. And she gave him the straw for the Bashantav to sleep on. The husband came home. And um, he says, is there anything to eat? 
She said, I had a piece of bread and some cheese, but the Baal came and asked, the Rebbe came and said he needed to eat. So I gave it to him. Okay. The Rebbe wanted, the Rebbe wanted. What should I do? I guess I'll just go to sleep. She says, uh, there's a problem. What's the problem with him sleeping? The Rebbe said he was tired. He went to sleep on your straw. fellow took a breath and after taking a deep breath went outside his hut and he lifted his head up and his hands up to God and he said Father in heaven I can't do this I can't deal with this poverty and he cried bitter tears I have no food, nowhere to sleep, I have nothing, I have hardly a roof over my head. Enough is enough. And nothing, and he came back in the house, and the Bashanta was standing there, and the Bashanta said, Thank you very much for your hospitality, and the Bashanta left. Albeit there was no food left, but at least he was able to use the straw the Bashanta slept on. Part one ends. <laughs> Several months later, the Bashanta tells the Tamidim we have to go for a ride in the forest. And he goes again, and they arrive at the same spot where the hut used to be, and there lives a beautiful, there lies a beautiful home. Quite a luxurious home, to matter. And they go inside, and the man's ecstatic that Evans here, the Bashanta's here. And this time, there's no stale bread or cheese. He puts down a spread, the Kisadaf design, they say, a real spread of food. Not can I say the Bashem to have chomped. <laughs> the Bashem partook a little bit of the food. And the Bashem said to him, tell, Pray tell me, what happened? The last time we hear there was barely a hut. And I ate your last morsel of food and slept on your last drop of straw. What happened? And the Yidl says to the Balsham HaKadosh, Honestly speaking, once upon a time I was a wine merchant. And I did well as a wine merchant, but the wheel of fortune turned on me. I guess it was COVID and I couldn't sell. No, I just, the wine just dissipated. Customers went elsewhere and I had nothing. But I couldn't stay, stay idle. So I took up wood chopping, back breaking labor to at least bring home a few piastas at home. It's worth cupcakes, but whatever I can make to support the wife, the children. There's a knock at the door after the Bashemta left my house. The next day, a fine-looking man, dressed well, dressed, said, "He's here for the czar." 
what did I do to the Zah? What does the Zah want from me? That's bizarre. The Zah is making a very big banquet. And he'd like to purchase, he remembers he used, used to have wine. He'd like to purchase several barrels of your wine. This is my wine. Come, let me show you. And he took him downstairs to the cellar. And I opened one after the other my empty barrels. And I came to one barrel. I still have wine in it, which I use for Kiddush and Abdullah. And he said, oh, you have wine. Oh, no, 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 no. This is my Kiddush wine, my Abdullah wine. I can't just sell this. I, I don't have nothing. You've got to give me some, please. Hey, I take this empty barrel, put a few drops in. What's a few drops going to do? Puts a few drops in. Then he takes his water and he fills it up with water. And the butler tastes it and says, Ooh, that's kishmak. And he runs back to the Tsar with his barrel. And the Tsar says, Ah, just what I'm looking for. Give me a dozen amount of barrels. I'll show me this amount. I went and I took all the barrels I had. The Tsar had sent me money already. So I was able to purchase more barrels. From each to each barrel, I added a drop of my wine, and I filled it up with water. The czar was ecstatic. I made a killing, shall we say? I charged a substantial price for it, and here I am. The wheel has turned, Baruch Hashem. I'm a successful wine merchant once again. Hashemta says that's a very touching story. My turn. Now let me tell you the story from the other side. You were a wine, wine merchant and you did, you did decently. You didn't do very well. You did well. You did. Uh, you covered yourself. But Lemaila in heaven, there was a pot of gold waiting for you. You were written down, you were inscribed, you were to become very, very wealthy. Oh, but then I saw something she's got, but you didn't really, you had your few cupcakes today, you made it, you, you were covered, you're good. So you lost what you had. You started chopping wood though. And as a chassid you were sufficient, you sufficed with that. A few cupcakes. One Rosh Hashanah, a second Rosh Hashanah went by. And now the Sultan came to God and said, listen here, let's take this pot of gold and give it somewhere else. This guy doesn't want it. He's not asking for it. Let's get it away from him. And I intervened, said the Bashantam, and I said, no, 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 I will make him daven for this. Hence I came to your house, hence I ate your last morsel of food and took your last straws to sleep on. Once you were totally, totally bottomed out, depleted, you went out and raised your hands and head to, and eyes to heaven and cried out with tears, and said, I can't anymore. Send me. 
or not even that the mere fact that you raised your hands up and your eyes up and said help you didn't even know what help was you didn't have an idea where it would come from how it would come to you in what guise your wine business was totally depleted as far as you were concerned that was not a vessel a conduit for income you just said, help, I can't anymore, help. And Akash Baruch said, ah, that's it. That's the cry. Catch those tears. That's what we've been waiting to hear and waiting to see. And that is what broke the mold. That is what took down the walls and gave you what you have today. Because you finally reached out in prayer. Boyel Pari Kenich Badati as the last three plagues discussed in this Pasha. And Kodesh Baruch is telling Moshe, he's not going to listen to you. As we said now, all the makas that were given to him caused a form, a punishment, which was almost a step towards repentance. The makah of darkness, the plague of darkness, chayshech. The entire nation had light. This is the ninth plague now being inflicted on Pare and his nation. And the Torah describes Three days. Friend did not see friend. In this pitch, pitch, heavy darkness. And nobody stood up from the places for three days. And to all the Jews there was light. And the Medish explains, two miracles happened here. And they went intertwined. The not natural darkness, the unnatural darkness, sorry for the grammar, which literally froze the, the entire nation in its place for three days. And at the same time, the miraculous lights afforded to the Jews. The light of the Jews had 
was also not natural, was also not normal. They were able to, with this light, walk into the pitch dark house of an Egyptian and see where all their treasures were hidden. So when they needed to leave Egypt, they said, we want gold, we want silver. And they would say, ah, we don't have. They say, excuse me, look in this drawer, look in that drawer. And they had no choice but to go take it out. This was something the Egyptians could not deny. Because the Jews knew exactly where everything was. The second miracle was in order to complete, fulfill the guarantee, the promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Avram Avinu. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Avram Avinu, back in Pashas Lech Lecha, about the exile of Mitzrayim, he said, When they leave there, they're going to leave with great riches. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands Meish Rabbeinu, Ebene Yisrael asked from all their neighbors, Klei Kesev, Klei Zov, Smolis, and garments, and gold, and silver, go to your neighbors and talk to them about this. This miraculous light during Makas Cheshech was to hold back the Egyptians from hiding their things. And the merit of this light, the Jews were able to take from Egypt, as we said, all the things they asked for. Rashi says, Clean them out. Clean them out. Chassidus explains, great riches, great physical riches that the Eden left Egypt with, was also a balance with a tremendous spiritual a greatness which they left. All the sparks from above that were now within, they were soaked up and they were totally enveloped within the impurities of Egypt. And through Golos Mitzrayim, the Eden were able to reveal them, redeem them, and to bring them back to their godless godliness and to their godly places. So we see therefore Akarish Baruchu in a miraculous way, in a miraculous form prepared this Aveda of Geulas Nitzutus Ekdusha, the redemption of all the holy sparks, and brought it about, how? By making a special miracle called Bnei Yisrael Hayyerbe Meshwesam. 
The Jews had this special light. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave this special light to en- <coughs> to enable to go into the depths, into the crevices, into the holes, into the hidden places of the Egyptians, and to bring out the Chush Godel, with which they need to redeem it. Great riches. We're in Gullus, Rabbi Say. We're suffering in a horrific, horrific exile. We are still involved in the redemption of these few holy sparks spread throughout the world. So when we involve ourselves with physical mundane things, but we do them l'shem shamayim for godly cause, to save them for the service of God, this elevates them to the spirituality and to the source. And the Tera hints, also when a Jew is still totally, totally in exile, he's in his own Eretz Mitzrayim, before he comes about to any kind of redemption, HaKadosh Baruch Hu already starts to enhance and to bring about miracles. Miracles to help them with their personal guide and service. And although they are enveloped in a darkness, although they are totally, totally sunken into this darkness, into this horrific, horrific situation, although they are now what they feel is rock bottom, although they feel helpless and unwanted, nobody wants, nobody cares about them, nobody thinks about them, nobody has any kind of feeling towards them or for them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends this light just because you cried out, Help! Your cry of help and you're now showered with love and caring and dedication and devotion. Just because you finally cried out. And the Navi says, Hashem on you, Baruch will shine. And this is the same that same light that was given to the Jews in Egypt. That made the Jews capable of preparing themselves with simcha v'tuv levav, joy and happiness, to be mekabel p'nei Mashiach, tzidkenu, b'karev, mamish, will use this light, and the light will lighten our way, light our path, and take us out of this bitter, bitter gullus. We don't understand, we don't comprehend how these things can happen. Interesting, Ashgach the story which I've told before as well, just for some people that like to listen and need a little chizik about Shaduchim. Man came into a shul one day on a Shabbos afternoon, one day, on a Shabbos afternoon, and he sees a yid sitting there with Tehillim crying his heart out. And he was so inspired, he took out his own Tehillim and he started crying his heart out. When 
the Eshter, the first Jew, stopped, finished, he closes his him as well, and he walked over and says, Zogmer Rebbe, tell me please, my brother, I share your tears, I share your heart, your broken heart. Pray tell me what's wrong. And he says, my tired brother, he says, my dear brother, I have a very hard situation. I have a wonderful, wonderful daughter at home. A wonderful girl. I, 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 everything that you can only ask for. And she's not getting younger, and I'm not getting richer. Because I'm not getting richer, nobody wants to marry my daughter. The other Yid looks at him and says, Yid, I too was crying when I said to him, I have a similar story, very pachlasha to yours. I have a son, a Talmud Chochem, a Mitsuyan of a boy. Sits in Al-Tayr of al But since I cannot tell any Mechutan that I have, I'll share in the dowry, I'll help in the dowry, anything like that, I have no money either. My son, as well, is sitting at home, sitting and learning all day long, all day and night. You know what? Since I told you mine, and you told me your problem, there's obviously a reason that we're both here now. Let's break a plate. I don't have less than you do, you don't have less than I do. And therefore, I'm not going to look down on your situation. You don't look down on my situation. <coughs> you have a good girl. I have a good boy. Mazel tov. And they did a shidduch. They cried bitter tears. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered. In the most remote, but yet Bakovidik way. How do they ever know how they'd marry off their child? And there were special, special people, really great people that were born from that unison. Great Sadiqim, Chavis Farim. So we don't understand, we don't realize how we are involved in the master plan. We need to simply apply ourselves, accept, and persevere, and say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank you, thank you, for when I cried out, help, you was jumped on it to answer me. Bavarti Beretz Mitzayim Balayla Bring a shepsula, tie it to your bed for four days. The Egyptians came screaming and yelling, What are you doing with our God? He said, We're bringing it for a sacrifice. Hashem told us to. <coughs> and they were told to shecht it and to put the blood on the doorpost as a mezuzah. And by knowing and seeing the mezuzah have blood, I will cross, I will skip over that house and I will not kill the firstborn. 
We have two commandments on this. Because Baruch says, "Kachatzei salayla niyetz b'dech mitzrayim." Around Chatzei salayla, will go out in entire Egypt and do this. Another time, it's Vevarti beret mitzrayim, but Laylazay went over mitzrayim. One time, the Eibush says, "Aniyetz, I'm going to go out." One time, Vevarti, I went over. The difference, Yetzay, is a special journey I'm making towards doing this. Avarti, I passed through. It happened. I was doing something else and I passed by there. Therefore, Rashi explains the Vavarti according to the Medish. A king goes from place to place. In one place, everything is whatever, destroyed. Melech went from place to place for one thing, and in, because of that, he managed to also punish the ones that were sinners. The night of Pesach, we do of these two things. First, a special Yitzim Yocheles of the within Egypt to redeem, to reveal, to redeem Am Yisrael, and the other is to punish the firstborn, which was a passing um, action that was happening while he was doing everything else. What was the main point of going out of Baruch Hu taking out of Mitzrayim? To save the Jews that were so deeply sunken into, unfortunately, the impurities of Egypt. Until this very night, commanded to bring the carbon Pesach, not to leave their homes. Those went to the houses of their neighbors, the Egyptians, to choose between the Egyptians and the Jews to save the Jews from that. This itself brings us the tremendous, shows us and teaches us the tremendous love of to Am Yisrael, the love of a father to a child. You can perhaps evaluate the situation of the Jewish, of the, the spiritual situation of a Jew, even though he saw nine plagues that the Egyptians were inflicted, HaKadosh Baruch still had to command him to bring the Karim Pesach and stay home that night. But still and all, they went out to patronize is there anything worse that they could possibly do? But still in all, HaKadosh Baruch reveals himself with his deep love to his nation and goes down and saves them. Even the ones that were the lower level of Judaism. Those who didn't want to go out, everything else we know died during the, max, the plague of darkness. So the HaKadosh Baruch himself comes down, an evil, a malach, an evil, a of I myself not an angel, not a, a serpent, not a any one of my messengers. And I went from house to house, in order to take out the impurity of Egypt from the Jews. From the pool of Akash Baruch for us to learn 
how how we too need to apply this to a set to the fellow Jew to learn Tera to bring a Jew closer to to, to the mitzvahs. This too is also in the condition that that Jew should be prepared to come to the Beis HaMedrash to learn and to hear. But to go out from Beis HaMedrash and to go to Jews and to find them within the Tumas Mitzrayim and to go hang with them in the bars and the things, this not. Because Baruch teaches us, no. Even a Jew so happy at home and doing it so well at home and in shul and learning it comes to a fellow Jew to bring them closer to redeem them we need to go even to these Jews that are found in the lowest of levels we need to bring them to the highest and to tell them about the love of God and to bring them close to the light of Tera and although they are almost in denial but they're saying Shema Yisrael, they're saying the words Meidani. This elevates them beyond and higher than ever. And this way, the Jews will be redeemed from the Golas. And it says in the Navi Yeshayev Atem to look to the Echad Echad and Bnei Yisrael, gather each and every one of you, and will merit the Gulamit Zashlemet, the Aidei Mashiach Tzikenu, the Mehera V'Yameinu Omein Selo. And again, we want to wish a foolish name of Kravit to Baruch Hashem Yisusu and he should be able to stand up with all of us now, get up off his bed, and dance towards Mashiach Tzidkenu, the Gula Mitzvah Shem, the Shabbos, the Shabbos to all.